You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. There's a whole group of young quarterbacks in the NFL that we know are going to get paid. One of those is in Buffalo, and we now not only know that he's going to get paid, we know how much he's going to get paid. As Josh Allen today is a very wealthy man, but what's it mean for everybody else? It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests will join us. On the Goodyear Hotline with Sarah, we start with the Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, and it comes in the form of $258 million. That's how much Josh Ooh. Allen gets in a six-year extension with uh, reported $150 million of it guaranteed. That would be a new record. You're talking about an average annual value of around $43 million for a quarterback that people have doubted, for a quarterback people have had a lot to say about accuracy, for a quarterback that people have had a lot to say, the Bills organization and Bills fans. Well, they stayed the course. They stayed true to what they thought the process could be. They surrounded him with the weapons. He played at an MVP caliber level last year, and now, bam, finds himself very, very wealthy. And deserving, Fitz. There are certainly some question marks about being able to repeat last season when opposing teams expect a bit more out of you. But last year, he had the biggest third-year bump in performance of any quarterback in the modern era. He took his completion percentage up 13%. He went from zero career 300-plus yard games to eight of them last season. His best touchdown-to-interception ratio ever. He is the guy that if you put it all together, prototypical quarterback, has all the skills that you want to see, can move, can can win with his legs, has a big arm. And, you know, we used to joke about Fitz. You know, I've been on the Josh Allen train for quite some time. And I said, I just need him to stop those moments where he forgets how to football and the rest of it looks so good. And that's really what happened last season was a maturation that eliminated the mistakes and the bad choices and focused on the skill set and took advantage of the weapons that the Bills added for him. And that's a guy you want to you want to get in your team and keep and know that your future is going to involve and. I think it's interesting to look at the differences in this contract versus Mahomes. It's not topping it, but it is in terms of guarantees. So he does still get to move the needle a little bit in terms of what quarterbacks are going to be looking for without having to outdo the Chiefs on a once-in-a-lifetime guy in Mahomes. Yeah, and that's such an interesting part of it. And Sarah, you know, I say it all the time when it comes to teams with young quarterbacks, and you have one with the Bears now we believe is going to be good, we hope, right? Once you start to see a quarterback play at a level that you believe in, you have such an obligation in my mind to surround them with Mm -hmm. weapons that can help them grow into whoever they can be as a quarterback. The Bills did all of this so with so much calculation to their approach and in a way that they really trusted their process as much as we're not allowed to use that phrase. And, you know, through the process of that, they surrounded him with so many weapons last year that just flat out gave us an opportunity to see now that he's comfortable in the league and comfortable in the system and comfortable being a pro quarterback, what can he be with these weapons around him? And the answer was overwhelmingly a resounding success. And then the other portion of this is that, realistically, once you've got that guy, you know you're going to have to pay him. So you might as well get it done in a level where, frankly, contracts seem to surpass each other so often. At least you get in there and say, okay, we're going to get ahead for the next six years. We know who we've got at quarterback, and we feel like by the time the deal's over, it'll be a value. Because I keep going back to the way we react to quarterback money. And, you know, it, it wasn't that long ago that there were guys making $25 million and we said, oh, my God, you can't sustain. You can't even win if you have a guy with $25 million. Now we've got quarterbacks making $40 million, And that number is just going to keep going up every year. Yeah, and 
I think your point is a great one. If you are in the NFL and you find yourself a quarterback that you can win because of and not just with, which is what Josh Allen is, you make sure he's going to stick around and you pay him what you need to. Now, big swings on quarterbacks that don't work out can really cripple a team. And so you have to hope that what you saw last year is everything you're getting going forward. And I believe that there's reason to think so and not a regression to what we saw in his early time. What we know is he wasn't a particularly accurate quarterback in college. There were a lot of question marks in the first couple seasons because of that. But to me, it looked like a natural maturation, not a fluke, what we saw last season. And if you're the Bills, and it's been a long time since you were able to really contend for a Super Bowl, you see him and you see what you have around him and you see your opportunity in this window that you have right now. Obviously, you got Patrick Mahomes sitting there in the AFC. That's a little bit of a a, a blockade, right, and, and the Chiefs. But you don't you don't run away from this moment um, and you don't hesitate when you've got someone like Josh Allen. And now you look around to the other quarterbacks who are going to be looking for deals and they'll try to figure out which pieces of this contract they can play off of and their agents can use to get them the bag they're looking for. That's some straight talk, straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Hard to find many people that have a negative uh, thing to say about the deal so far as it's been presented to us. This is what Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst, said in reaction to Josh Allen's contract. My first reaction is, yeah, that's a big money uh, figure. It's a lot of guaranteed dollars, but six years, if I'm a Bills fan, I'm happy about that because I guarantee you in a couple of years when that salary cap goes up, it's going to look like a good deal. Uh, And you mentioned Dak Prescott, you know, on a shorter deal. This is a team-friendly deal in that respect because it will be a bargain if he continues this level of play. And I think that's a a real part of what we'll continue to look at, Sarah. By the way, ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Cars, homes, boats, motorcycles, RVs, and more. Progressive.com. But you make a great point about what this means for everybody else. And, uh, you know, we keep looking at Lamar, 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 because Lamar Jackson, the quarterback of the Ravens, has an MVP, and he's going to be in the same contract situation. But I also think it's interesting, obviously, with all eyes on Baker Mayfield and Cleveland. And that's something that I asked Mike Tannenbaum earlier, ESPN NFL insider, uh, front front office insider, I should say, when I was on with uh, the Max Kellerman show. This is what he said about Baker and Josh Allen. I just wouldn't put Baker in that category. I think Cleveland's done an amazing job of putting a really good roster together. And I would make sure that they're taking care of their offensive linemen. Guys like, well, they took care of Chubb, but Denzel Ward. I think Baker's a good player, but I would not put him in the category of Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, agreed, right? I mean, but that's not that's not what anyone's demanding or asking. It's it's not to say Baker has to be the same as these two. And, of course, the contract that his agent's going to try to get for him will be that. But the Browns can take a little bit of time and make sure that what they saw at the end of last season is what they want. Because if you recall, Fitz, it was not that long ago that smart football people were still saying he's not the guy. He's not the guy to build around. And so I think you got to get more of a sample size from Baker Mayfield. Yeah, and the sample size portion of it is so significant because we saw a great rookie season. We saw a Freddie Kitchen season everybody wants to forget in year two. Then we saw a really good year last year. So the question is, they got this year, but they also have the fifth-year option. Then they could franchise him. Like I think we all look at the Baker thing and say, Baker, 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 when realistically, if I'm the Browns, I'm I'm cool to slow my roll and make sure that we get it right instead of getting it fast. That one's tougher. The Lamar Jackson thing, I think, is going to take care of itself pretty quickly now that we see the Josh Allen market set. Lamar's people can come in and say, okay, he deserves more than Josh and maybe not quite as much as Patrick Mahomes. Like It feels like they've, they've 
sort of lined up where the two lines would be for the negotiation. We'll see, obviously, because uh, as quickly as this got done, you never know when the news will break. I'm sure Baker, uh, I'm sure Lamar's people, I should say, are uh, picking up the bat phone now, trying to gauge values. In the meantime, coming up, the biggest free agent left in the NBA has made his decision, but... Was it the right call for the team he signed with? We'll tell you about it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. I'm realizing that I've, in this very room that I'm in right now, apparently been bitten by a spider to make me Spider-Man and it's struck by lightning to make me, like, I am full superhero, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. I, you know, I, I don't know how this works. I don't know what the transition period is like from normal to superhero but sarah i will still be kind to you when i wear a cape and tights around to save uh, save the world i, I just want you to i just that. assumed all this talk about how swole you're getting and the number of inches you're getting on your chest which is definitely something i never thought that you would say to me in all seriousness i assume that was part of the transition to fitz lightning you know what america you're welcome i put on an inch and that's all I'm going to say about that. No, uh, no you should probably <laughs> clarify. I'm just, I just want you to know you should clarify when you say oh. something like that. I put on Even a on a Friday. the most <laughs> in my chest. I got, you know, look, I've been working out the work. Team Beachbody, call me Beachbody. I love you guys. Uh, the work, I've been doing it, lifting all sorts of like big iron and clanging things around. And my chest is an inch bigger <laughs> than it was a mere four weeks ago. How do you like I'm that? I'm staying out of this. I told my I told my good buddies Mike Gullick Jr. and Trevor Scales I was like you know what my in, my my chest is an inch bigger and Trevor said what are you like uh, forty inches now and I'm like about that why why, why you got to make fun of me okay uh, don't forget I mean, to everybody tune knows into it's about the cuff size not the I mean just I want you. It's anyway. Can I just move on? Solid A cup. Tune into a Crosstown <laughs> Rivalry t- Sunday. The Cubs host the White Sox, presented by Samsung Galaxy. So coverage of Sunday night baseball begins at 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, and at 7 p.m. on ABC. Now, obviously, we've had a lot of conversation in the past about Kawhi and where he's going to go. It looks like at this point he has decided he's going to resign with the, the Clippers. I don't think that's a huge shock to anybody. But let's remember, Sarah, that the way he went about doing business in this process actually hurt the Clippers ability to have as much salary cap flexibility. It also hurt their ability to get out in front of some things as far as signing other people on the roster. So this moment of putting them in this, I don't know period, even if we all really knew how it was going to pan out does have consequence. It does. There isn't the same enthusiasm and that's obviously because he's expected to miss significant time recovering from uh, surgery to repair that partially torn ACL. And then because of the selfishness, flat out selfishness with his decision to decline his player option, become a free agent, but expect to stay, keep them sort of in limbo as they're figuring out if he's going to be around. Um, and a lot of people said as much. Robert Ori on the jump yesterday talked about how the fans might react. As a Clipper fan, I would be mad at Kawhi because there are a lot of free agents could be sitting back. Well, we're going to see what Kawhi is going to do because we might join your franchise. And with him sitting back waiting and trying to see what other guys are getting, see what he wants to do, is not fair to the organization because the organization went out of its way to give you everything you wanted these past couple of seasons. But now you're putting him in a bad situation. And Fitz, he's not alone because plenty of others are saying not just fans who should be disappointed, but the Clippers and his teammates and everyone else, Stephen A. Smith, uh, really gave it to Kawhi. There's some history here of Kawhi being about Kawhi. And we all know that his talents required it. Nobody should question his money in terms of what you give him, in terms of what he deserves when playing on the court. 
but he doesn't promote and market for you. He's got an injury that they're saying may keep him out of next season, Max, and he hasn't proven to be durable. If I'm the Los Angeles Clippers, with all of those things jumbled up together, the last thing I look at Kawhi Leonard, he's not a culture builder. He's a mercenary, and I pay him to perform. And if he can't perform, he does nothing for me because he doesn't do anything to promote the sport, and he doesn't do anything to promote my team. Hmm. Everything he's saying there makes sense. I just don't know that that's a new discovery for Kawhi. Like, he's the same person that, you know, took everybody around the where in the world is Kawhi Leonard sort of free agency spree when they weren't sure if he was going to re-sign with Toronto. So Well, and sat out a long time with the Spurs, and a lot of people didn't think that that was required or necessary due to the injury that he had. He just decided he was done there, and that was the last he was going to give them and Coach Pop. Uh, Kendrick Perkins also going in on Kawhi. Kawhi Leonard is a guy that throws stones and hide his hand, all right? And when it comes down to it, we have been letting him off the hook for too long. And he's a guy that flies under the radar that has been doing sneaky stuff, been doing, been getting catered to, and just because he's quiet, we don't address him. We're looking at this situation with him and Russell Westbrook. This is supposed to be your homie. This is a confidential conversation. You don't use this conversation or ignore this, this brother phone call to go lure Paul George to come to the Clippers. By the way, when you get to the Clippers, the firing of Doc Rivers, everybody wanted to point the finger at Paul George, but Paul George wasn't the only one that had a, a saying that fired Doc Rivers. Kawhi Leonard was right there with him, but nobody wanted to blame Kawhi Leonard for what he was doing. And then to top it off, you look at this season alone. Kawhi Leonard gets hurt. He goes down. Most of the time when you see a guy go down and your team is in the heat of the battle and they're in the playoffs, they're not in the sweep, wiggling their toes, eating steak and shrimp. they down there on the bench encouraging their teammates. They're in the trenches with their guys, giving pep talks, helping the young guys like Terrence Mann be down there in the trenches. So, look. We heard about the helicopter rise to the practice facility and to the plane. The plane being held up and being late, not being able to take off on time because they was waiting on Kawhi Leonard. Let LeBron James do some stuff like that and watch how people go in the media and kill them. I mean, there are people who would kill LeBron James for that too, Fitz. But more importantly, all that stuff he just said is spot on. And for a while there, I think Kawhi being shy and and, you know, taciturn and being a guy that we couldn't read and so mysterious, it just kind of kept us from going in. And at this point, there's been too many examples for it to be coincidental, right? It's not, well, things went wrong with the Spurs, and then he wasn't sure about the Raptors, and then the Clippers, and then Doc gets fired, and then now this. At this point, he's in it for himself. And and if that's how it's going to be, fine. But you can view him that way when it comes to the deals you make and when it comes to the way you talk about him. We just can't pick and choose when we want to have these conversations about him. Uh, the only thing I'd say is, because you're absolutely right, we almost forget that Spurs moment that I think you brilliantly brought up earlier uh, where he was injured and just said, you know what, I'm out. We forget that because of the way he covered Luka Doncic in the playoffs. Like that, There's a moment where we see that version of Kawhi and we're like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, Kawhi takes everything over. He can win a championship. So mm-hmm. it, it, it makes that all difficult. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Sarah Spain and Jason Fitz were presented by Progressive Insurance. Want to give everybody to uh, some Olympic updates. Obviously, uh, we've got all eyes still on what's going on in Tokyo. And Allison Felix got her 10th Olympic medal. That's the 10th. Olympic medal by finishing third in the 400 meters Friday 
an incredible, incredible accomplishment as she becomes the most decorated woman in the history of Olympic track and field. Yet ties Carl Lewis and a chance in the relays to pass him by her time in 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 the race yesterday or this morning or whatever it was, 49.46, the fastest she's run since 2015, which was before she gave birth to her daughter. Also, no woman at the age of 35 or older has ever, ever run faster. In addition to that, Fitz, she had a life-threatening pregnancy with that aforementioned daughter. She went and testified in front of Congress on maternal mortality. She fought with Nike, left them, and they consequently changed their maternity policy. And she set an example for what women after babies can expect out of themselves, demand out of their sponsors and everybody else. Like, massive queen on all levels. But to go to five Olympics as a track and field athlete and medal in all of them, this is there's and no shade to swimming. But in swimming, let's say you get like four or five medals in one. That's a great event for you. That's unbelievable diversity of talent. But to get medals in those one or two events... Every Olympics for five straight Olympics at that age is just is incredible. She's such a queen. We also want to give a ton of credit to the queens. The A-team, April Ross and Alex Kleinman, captured the gold medal. Straight sets. uh, Really incredible. Yes. Rhea. Re, uh, let's say we're back at the top of the mountain where we belong in that sport. Right. Well, and April Ross, incredible, especially because she's had other partners in the past and has never been able to get that gold. But she looked at Alex Kleiman a couple years ago as an indoor player and said, I want the long play. I plan on her being with me a couple years from now in Tokyo. And they won it, which is just awesome. Also, shout out to Canada soccer. I know it was slightly disappointing for the U.S. women to take bronze, but Christine Sinclair is an all-time goat. And for them to get that win was so big for that and for her. We're going to keep the Olympic talk coming. We'll talk to an Olympian next who came home with the pair of medals on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Joining us now on the Goodyear Hotline, we've got an Olympian fresh off of Tokyo back in the States, Olympic swimmer Abby Weitzel, who won a silver and bronze medal in Tokyo, uh, representing Team Speedo. Abby, let's just talk about this experience. How different was this Olympics for you uh, when compared to your first run in 2016? Yeah, I think um, these games were completely different for me from 2016. I think it wasn't so much COVID necessarily. I mean, that obviously had a factor in a lot of ways. But I think this Olympics had a lot. It was just more memorable to me, I feel, as if I went into it kind of knowing what to expect and I was able to, you know, kind of just soak in the moments a lot more than than my first go around. And um, I came out with a lot of good memories and a lot of successful times. So um, definitely appreciative of that and uh, hope to go to another one and see the difference in that way, too. <laughs> so how did the extra year sort of impact your training and getting ready for the Olympics? I think the extra year was a huge factor for a lot of people, impactful, I should say. I think, you know, you spend your years leading up to each game preparing for it, especially the the last year leading up to it. And, you know, everyone was kind of on their last leg getting ready for the Olympics, and then all of a sudden, you know, it was taken away and postponed another year. And it doesn't sound like a year. It could be a long time, but I feel as if, the mental preparation and the stress and the build up towards it was just prolonged even longer. And it it ultimately ended up being super stressful, I feel. And it made the games all that more exciting because it was, you know, finally here. And uh, it was just an emotional roller coaster, I feel, 
for everyone in a lot of different ways, you know, in, in life in general and also in, in sport. Abby Weitzel, Olympic silver and bronze medalist with us here on Spain and Fitz on the Goodyear Hotline. One of the things I saw you say, and I heard it sort of reflected in, in a number of different athletes' comments, was you felt much closer to your teammates than you could have imagined, in part because you don't have family and friends to, to grab meals with or hang out with in between competitions. How you know special is it to kind of get that experience with your teammates because they were who you needed to depend on out there? Yeah, I mean, the team was so young this year, but I, it didn't really show in how everyone bonded. I mean, no matter the age, everyone got pretty close. And I feel as if not having family and friends there did have an impact on that. You know, you we were all we had there for support system, and we weren't able to, you know, go off and do anything either. So we all we had to do was kind of hang out with each other, which we normally do a lot on team trips. But this trip especially, you know, the only people we had in the stands were each other. And it just, you know, you got really emotionally invested in each other's swim, even people who you don't normally, um, I would say. And so it was, it was really, um, it was a fun time and um, definitely a memorable one. Abby, there were some articles written about sort of the way the training uh, schedule had to be changed and the, the race schedule was changed to make sure that we had races in prime time because American audiences eat that stuff up. Did the change in timing impact you guys at all? It was less impactful than I imagined. I, you know, when I first heard that finals were going to be in the morning, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so weird. But ultimately it was fine. I mean, I feel like for me personally, I'm kind of, you know, a morning swimmer. I do pretty well in the mornings. Um, I like to wake up, have my coffee and ready, be ready to go. So um, waiting around all day kind of can get uh, really tiring since you're, you're just thinking about your race all day and, you know, worried about napping. And ultimately after finals, you have to do a bunch of media and drug testing and all that stuff. So having to do that during the day and then like having a full night's rest, like leading into your next race was actually kind of helpful in a lot of ways. So there were definitely some bright sides to it. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, talking to Olympic swimmer Abby Weitzel, who represents Team Speedo, wearing those amazing suits and highlighting body positivity in your Speedo suit. Love to see that. You know, Abby, one of the things that we kind of focused on in Tokyo is, you know, mental health. And and Simone Biles really opened up for us a discussion about what we don't see on TV or in the competitions. And I wonder... What are some of the things about your Tokyo experience or even your competing experience as a swimmer that you wish fans better understood, whether that's the amount of work or the relationship with your opponents or, or anything else? I feel like I could go on forever with this question. <laughs> um, I think, you know, I think people see us walk out behind the blocks, you know, people step up to the to whatever sport they're doing and it's the robotic movements that they see us do and People appreciate it, which is awesome. They love to watch it, but I, the, what they don't see is the the emotional side of what we're doing and how um, we could be in the peak shape of our life and be physically able to win a gold medal. And our mental side of it the, isn't aligning with that. And I think it's really, I mean, what Simone did was uh, like I applaud her, and she, you know, it's I can't even imagine what the spot what kind of spotlight she has on her and how that feels and ultimately that's her decision and I feel like people should just respect that and she wasn't ready to to step up and do it for whatever personal reason she had and I think that 
it really made a statement to the world. And I think it opened up doors that are awesome for people to realize that we're not just robots that do amazing, awesome things, but we also have the stress to the side of the sport that is behind the scenes, which is 99% of what we do anyways. And so it's definitely a, a weird ride and it's hard to answer that question. And like I said, I could go on forever, but that's definitely a huge problem. Abby, is there something you think the International Olympic Committee could do to help all of you cope with the mental stress that comes with this? I mean, resources are offered for sure. And I know personally, USA Swimming, we have people travel with us who are offered for their services and just people deal with stress differently. Um, I feel like just talking about it and people being aware is a huge aspect to it because the media has such a huge impact on us as athletes, just seeing what is written or said. And so I think having people understand more what's going on behind the scenes even can be helpful. But ultimately, everyone is entitled to their own feelings and their opinions without hopefully being, you know, too beaten up about it by just people around the world. Abby, we're going to let you go, but wanted to ask you, and Abby Whitesell, Olympic silver and bronze medalist with us here on Spain and Fitz, what's the most exciting thing that you've gotten, whether it's maybe a tweet or a congrats from someone that you admire, or have you gotten a, a little parade back home in your hometown? What's been the best part of returning with a couple medals? Um, I haven't gotten like a specific congrats from someone I'm like excited about, but I've just gotten so much support from from my entire family and all of my friends. And that's honestly all I could ask for. So um, my whole support system is amazing. And um, it's been, it's been incredible. Even the fan, even fans are, you know, who reach out. It's, I don't get to get to all the messages or anything, but just knowing that people are watching and supporting is, is always an amazing feeling. All right. Well, Fitz, you know, if she wants to be excited about someone congratulating her, who's more exciting than you? Right, I mean, Fitz? I mean, congratulations. There you go. Now you got a story to tell. Uh, <laughs> Abby, thanks so much for coming on and really congratulations. So fun to watch. Thank thanks, you Abby. so much. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. So yesterday we uh, had a couple of stories about some folks that we thought were kind of dummies of the day. Doofuses of the day, if you will. And we wanted to come up with a new segment uh, that would allow us to curate some of those folks that have a foot-in-mouth moment. We asked you guys for suggestions of names, and you really came through. Uh, We're going to throw a couple up on a poll. I'm not guaranteeing, Fitz, that what they choose wins, because I don't always trust the people on my Twitter, and for good reason, No, no, I'm going to choose the winner. Like, forget (laughs) what, but but, but we should let them vote. I mean, they should get to vote. Yes, we'll allow you to vote, and perhaps we'll take your thoughts into consideration. Uh, We've narrowed down a a handful of suggestions to a top four. Uh, The Daily Derp, I particularly like that because I call one of my dogs a derp. The Daily Doofus also has a nice alliteration. The Oive of the Day which rhymes, and also I think we could probably get some Linda Richmond coffee talk in there. I don't know if she has. She didn't really say oy vey very much, but she did say verklempt. Uh, but we could definitely find some folks saying oy vey for that, for that open. Uh, so that's a consideration. And then finally, the clown car. And I appreciate the idea of just visualizing the people. Uh, and if I had any decent Photoshop skills before the show, we could photoshop a bunch of the faces of the folks that were going to be featured in that day's uh doofusness uh in a clown car i appreciate the visuals on that one 
could we acknowledge the clown car would definitely be driven by you because, you know, it's our <laughs> clown car. And I would be crammed in the back seat just sitting there yes. looking really uncomfortable in between all of the clowns. Like there's That no checks out, and that yeah. art is going straight to the expert here at ESPN to get mocked up. We, <laughs> like, no doubt that is exactly what's going to happen, and I appreciate you recommending and suggesting that. You're going to be in the dog pound, as I call it, uh, the back of the car. Oh, you're welcome. There's not an actual seat, but if you have too many people, you're like, all right, someone's got to be in the dog pound. Who's 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 at it? And that's going to be you every time. Uh, speaking of who's in the clown car today, though, it is us. Uh, it is us and anybody else who bought into the one tweet that convinced us that Jason Garrett was pulling a Deion Sanders yesterday with his call me coach. As it turns out, the reporter who thought that that was aimed at him for saying, good to see you in person, Jason. And then he heard, well, this is what we do around here. Good to see you, coach. Uh, that was not what was going on. As it turns out, Jason Garrett always kind of ends his pressers by saying, good to see you guys. And then everybody there says, good to see you, coach. And it's just a back and forth call and response that he's gotten used to over the years. It was a staple for him in Dallas. And he wasn't emphasizing the coach part so much as enthusiastic response from all that we had a good exchange and we're both going to leave now. We, we good with that, Fitz? I, I apologize for buying into it. It's kind of like the beds in Tokyo that really weren't meant to keep people from having sex. Okay. You know, I, I more looked at it like the first time I went to like a church that I had no idea. And like, especially go to Catholic church and there's all the call and response thing. Like if somebody <laughs> around you doesn't tell you, you got no idea. So I'm like, am I standing? Am I sitting? Is it and also with you or is it peace be with you? I don't know who's getting peace or who's getting what and how we're doing it. Like, so, you know, I, we didn't Do know. Do I the salute routine, Jesus? So. Is that the th- thing here? <laughs> is it? No, that's a different thing. And, and is it like, give us the trespasses or, or like, there's so many different trends. I, I'm They're done definitely with forgiven this. you of something, but there's a lot of stuff you're never forgiven for. You're just like born with it and then you die. And it's just like, sorry, you have to keep all of that. It's it is actually, thing. and with your spirit now, by the way. Oh, Ooh. okay. And with your spirit now. Wait, okay, did, good, it, good. did it get changed? Uh, yeah. A few wow. years ago. It's now in with your spirit. Why did it get changed? Ask the ask the powers of be. I don't know. What is that? The Pope? I'll give him a call. It's, it's the worst. Like because you know, uh, not shocking to most people. Most uh, most time that I was around a church as a kid uh, would definitely have been as a paid musician. So then you're part of like the group that's getting paid by the church to be there, and you don't know where to, when wow. to stand and when to sit. And yeah, it's, it's it's really uncomfortable. It's awkward. People. You were a church extra. Wait. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah! Like the the church, like you you put the word church, you put the word wedding in front of anything for a violinist, you triple the price. That's just the way that goes. Amazing. Like you can charge way more for that. Yeah, I oh, love God, that you yeah. were just an extra church. Anyway, the point is, I lost the point. Um, but the, the point, point is, is that you're Jason right. Garrett call had and a, response you know, requires both response. sides know. to know, and they didn't know. But we all thankfully have, have come back around, and we all apologize to Jason Garrett for throwing him in the Dion boat. Uh, he Very is not our facepalm or doofus or clown car of the day. But we have another one, and it is inexplicably fits The Athletic, which is a, a fine publication and a place that I am proud that many of our colleagues have found work at and, and wish it all the success in the world. But did we really need an interview with O.J. Simpson? Because that's what we got. They're doing their NFL 100, ranking the top players in football history. And, okay, maybe you could have done it last year when it was the 100th anniversary and they unveiled the all-time team, but whatever. It's cool. We could do that this year if we want. But did we need to interview O.J. Simpson? Couldn't we certainly have either written 
retrospective on her own and or spoken to people on the periphery of him instead of seeking out a alleged double murderer who has also had other major problems since who wanted to release a book called If I Did It, which is definitely really sensitive to the families and the memories of the people who died. And then in the pull quote for the story said, how many Americans even today wouldn't like to live my life? And the answer is not me. I prefer to not be a double murderer, allegedly. I mean, he also makes sure that people know that uh, he plays golf four or five days a week, goes yeah. out to dinner a couple nights what a with great friends, life. always taking pictures with people. Ladies, hug me. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the level of this. Uh, you're right. There's a million different ways they could have, have done this. And I'm a consumer of The Athletic. I'm a fan of The Athletic. But uh, we always, uh, I think the phrase clickbait is overused. This particular thing feels like clickbait. There's a million things that they needed to acknowledge uh, OJ that they could have done that would have been different than this. Also, who draws the straw of, like, let me go sit down with OJ? I mean, like, I'm you just feel unprofessional enough. <laughs> I would do it once just to sit here and be like, all right, recording's on. You do it. Like, that's my first question. Fitz. Like, you go full in that Fitz, situation. don't like, act like you would get in a room with a double murderer, allegedly, and just ask him about the murder. Like, there's not a chance in the universe that you would sack up and do anything of the sort. Oh, my God, no. See, that's where where we're very different because I feel like he's OJ. Everybody watches OJ. This is the safest shot I ever got at sitting there and trash-talking a murderer. So, it'd be you know, this is the only time I could do it and feel it safe is with OJ because everybody watches him. Dumber than I ever thought you were. You really Mm. are. You really uh, no, are dumber no, than no, 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 that. But you're something. more professional. Like you would, you would follow yeah. the right lines of question. I just right. walk and be like, "OJ, juice, did you do it?" Oh God, it's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, <laughs> Jason Fitz. Uh, I don't lay claim to anything that fits I brought in, a in glove, OJ. I brought forward. a glove. No, Odds you want to wear? No, it. no, nope, nope, okay. nope. Okay. And that's the problem, though. Fitz is like every time he gets brought back up again, it allows people to to make jokes about it. And yeah, fair, that is you know fair. what I mean. It's just like. Let's just be done with it. And if you want to do top 100 and you think he's warranted, then write a really thoughtful piece about the complications around it. And don't go seeking out his opinion where he can puff up his chest about living a great life when he's taken the lives of others, allegedly. And on a, on a serious note, they could write a, a real piece about the Hall of Fame and the decisions the Hall of Fame have made and why somebody like mm-hmm. OJ is still in it. And they could analyze whether or not that's the right decision moving forward. For sure. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, Final clarification and update from yesterday. We asked y'all to tell us about why Lionel Messi leaving FC Barcelona was such a big deal and could you compare it to other things? Well, we already know apparently where he's heading, according to sources. A three-year contract offer from PSG headed to Paris Saint-Germain. Massive, massive change. As many said, this is the equivalent of Jordan going somewhere else except not waiting until he's Wizards Prime, doing it when he's still got time left. Six-time Ballon d'Or winner, Um, They haven't officially announced it, but that appears to be the way he's headed. 34 years old, and they've got a heck of a lineup now over there. So interesting uh, interesting development on the uh, soccer Jordan news, Fitz. I really thought he was headed to Nashville to play in MLS. Yeah, yeah, the Red Stars, we put in an offer. We really did. Uh, we thought we could thought we could convince the league to make some concessions on the regular rules if we had a name like that. And to be honest, they might. Coming up, we're going to talk to a former target of one of the newest members of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That was weird after the OJ convo. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Last night was the Hall of Fame game. Brings us great joy. We talked about it yeah, going into the show, uh, going into the game last night, how much we enjoy 
watching it, especially if you're a fan. I, I just feel like if you're a fan last night of either team, you were going to have a great time. But also, if you're a fan of the Hall of Fame, one of the great things about the Hall of Fame game is getting to hear from some of the Hall of Famers through the process, and we got a little bit of that. And to give us more of a breakdown on some of the Hall of Fame and uh, all happenings in Denver, we're going to head straight over to the Goodyear Hotline, where we're joined by Brandon Stokely from 104.3 The Fan in Denver. Uh, obviously played with Peyton in, in Indianapolis and also played some in Denver. So, uh, Brandon, we'll start by me apologizing as a lifelong Raiders fan for the things that I said when you played against my beloved Raiders for the Broncos. Now that we're buddies, forgiven. Uh, give us a little <laughs> sense. Uh, oh, See, I love that. That's we're just kind of glossing over that part. But uh, I'm watching this last night, and I feel like we all have heard so much about Peyton Manning. It feels like everybody knows him. What do we not know about Peyton Manning? Well, you know, he's been in the spotlight for so long. I don't know if there's anything out there that you don't know. Um, obviously, uh, you know, he paid attention to the details, the little things, worked his tail off, um, was always so prepared and accountable. You know, I was with him for five years, like you said, four years in Indy, one year, his first year in Denver, and I never saw the guy go to the facility and have a bad day. Now, he was he went to the facility, he wasn't happy, but he always brought his A game. He was always there working to get better, grinding. And that's a hard thing to do. You know, anything in life that you go to do, you know, every single day, it gets old. And But that guy went into the facility every single day and brought his A game. And I, th- I think that just speaks volumes about he knew how important his position was. He knew about leadership, accountability, all those things. And he just brought it every single day. What do you make of Peyton wanting Brady at his Hall of Fame ceremony and Brady uh, saying, sure, I'm, I'm, I'll fly in just for the night to, to be there when this happens for you? I think that's awesome. Um, I think a lot of people think uh, they don't like each other or they got some kind of friction between them because of the rivalry and the competition. And, you know, they played in some huge games. Uh but there's a respect there, and, you know, I, I think they've been friends for a long, long time, obviously, and um, and, and obviously, obviously that, that respect level is there between the two, but, um, you know, they're very friendly and get along very well, and I think that's been the case forever. Uh, there's never been an issue there, but the issue, just people thinking, and the media might portray it that way because – you know, they had some great battles on the football field. Uh, but between those two, you know, the level of respect, um, you can't get any higher than that. And like I said, I, I think they've been friends for, you know, since they both kind of came into the NFL. You also played with Edrin James, who's gone into the Hall of Fame. What makes him a Hall of Famer in your mind? I mean, he was, uh, you know, he was as tough as they come. And he would turn those two, three-yard runs into five, six-yard runs. Um, and it was hard to bring him down. He was always going forward, and he could do it all. He was great out of the backfield catching the football, um, and he just had great vision, and it was hard for one guy to bring the guy down, and he was always able to get those extra couple yards, and, you know, it kind of gets overlooked sometimes. You know, you think two, three yards, extra yards, oh, wow, big deal, uh, but, you know, when you turn a third down and six into a third down and three or, or a third and three into a first down, I mean, those those are huge, and that's what he brought to the table, and and like I said, he was just—he he was a competitor, and he was as tough as they come. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio, talking to Brandon Stokely of 104.3 The Fan in Denver, former teammate of Peyton Manning and Adrian James, headed to the Hall of Fame. 
I thought it was fascinating, and I'm coming from the outside. I don't know a ton about Jim Irsay. You know, you hear about going to rehab and some of those notable personal moments that emerge, and you don't, and then you hear about him just as a straight football side. I was kind of surprised to hear that Edron suggested and selected him to present him at the Hall of Fame ceremony this weekend. What do you know about their relationship, and, and were you surprised at all by that? No, not at all. You know, Mr. Irsay is just a first-class owner, cares about his players, takes care of his players. Um, and, and so I'm not sure quite what their relationship is like, but it must be pretty strong. Um, but you're just talking about an owner that cares about his players. And, um, and I think even, you know, not when they're just playing for him, but even when they're done and it just speaks volumes about the person that he is. And, um, you know, he was a great owner, provided so much for us as a team and an organization, everything to win. And so, um, I think you, you, you get that respect level there from Edron. And then, you know, you, you don't see a ton of that though, where, where players, you know, like you said, ask their owner to, you know, yeah. represent them and, 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 um, open up for them in the hall of fame. And certainly I think that just speaks volumes of Mr. Ursay, the owner that he is first and foremost, but also just the person that he is very giving, a uh, very caring and very thoughtful guy. Um, and and you can see how that Colts organization is run. Uh, but it's not just when you play there. A lot of owners, it's like, what can you do for me now? But then when you're gone, it, it's, it's turned the page. Uh, but that's not Mr. Ursay. Even when you're done, um, he's there and he's, he's just, a, he's just a, a great guy. We're talking to Brandon Stokely. You can hear him on 104.3 The Fan in Denver. So let's uh, ask you a little bit about Denver this year. I mean, everybody had the rumor mill running this summer that Aaron Rodgers was going to sun- somehow end up a Bronco. It's still Drew Locke's team. How far can Drew take him? Well, um, you know, that, that disappointed a lot of Broncos country here in Denver when that thing fell through, um, certainly, uh, because you start thinking about Aaron Rodgers and the possibility with Judy, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, Melvin Gordon, um, and a pretty much offensive line returning and attack. I mean, that got a lot of people excited. Uh, obviously, it's not happening. Uh, Drew's got to earn it this year. You know, last year it was his job. He didn't have competition. This year they traded for Teddy Bridgewater, and so it, it's a competition, and um, it could go either way. I've been out there every single day uh, watching it. And, um, you know, there's some good, there's some bad for both guys. So it's going to be interesting to see. they got Minnesota coming up. They're going to be going out there early and, and practicing against them for a couple of days. So this is a big week for both guys to try to separate from the other guy. Um, and so we'll see how it plays out. You know, they haven't been playing real football yet. Uh, that, that'll happen here shortly once you get into preseason games. And we'll see how those guys respond. Um, but Drew does look better than last year, more comfortable. Obviously, it's not ideal when you start a new um, with a new offense and you have no offseason like he did last year. So he looks more comfortable, and Teddy Bridgewater is a pro. So it's going to be fun and interesting to see who wins that job because they will be set up in a good situation with a lot of offensive talents and what should be a really good defense. Brandon Stokely of 104.3 The Fan in Denver with us here on Spain and Fitz. Whenever we get a local person, I have to ask, what is everyone riled up about either in a really positive way or really worried about? Maybe outside the quarterback situation uh, for the Broncos. We've got about a minute left, but I want to hear what everyone's talking about out there. I think Vic Fangio, you know, is he the right coach? Is he the right guy? Um, You know, he's fortunate to be back for his third year, two losing seasons. Uh, I think it was seven games he won the first year. They backtracked won five last year, so... Uh, Vic Fangio, is he the right head coach? Is he the right guy? And then, 
you know, Pat Shermer, is he the right offensive coordinator for this offense that has a lot of talent? Defense has a lot of talent. Um, it's time to win for Vic Fangio, and I think he understands that and knows that, uh, what's on the line here. And, you know, can the Broncos get back to their winning ways? That's the talk here. Four straight losing seasons. Uh, can they turn the corner and start winning football games again on a regular basis? Such So much talent all over that roster. It'll be interesting to see how they're able to maximize it as long as they don't maximize it against my beloved Raiders. Brandon, we appreciate your time, man. Thanks for hanging out with us. Had to rivalry can you got it. <laughs> Anytime. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Hope you're having a good Friday. We made it to the weekend. It was a rough one, but we made it fit. So now I'm just going to do bad things to myself again on the weekend. It's going to be a struggle of a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'm just going to barely make it through Thursday, Friday, and start it all over again. How about you? No, that is a that's a <laughs> heck of a plan. By the way, as we came back with Fall Out Boy, did you know that a couple of the guys in that band, big Bears fans? Big Bears fans. I did know. I did know. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have had the chance to do some celebrity, in quotations, bartending uh, with uh, some of the folks from Fallout Boy who are often at some of the uh, Cubs and Chicago sports-related events here in town. Yeah, the drummer's a, a Packers fan. We did a CMT Crossroads with Fallout Boy, so uh, became like Pete and I became buddies in that process. And uh, yeah, some big football fans nice. in that band. There you go. Nice. Like, just making sure you had that Bears tie-in. You love that music sports crossover. You love to see it here on Spain and Fitz. Uh, let's do a little bit of talk about the NFL, and because there's a lot to get to and not a lot of time on this Friday, we got to do it the way we always do it. Quickies with Spain and Fitz. We get in and out of topics fast. That's right. Let's start with last night. Never mind, let's not, because there's literally nothing to say about the Hall of Fame game last night. It was boring, and we can't wait to see starters play. I think that about sums it up, Fitz. Yeah, I mean, the big takeaway from that game there was a game last night. There, there's yeah. your big takeaway. Now That's the Harris only thing. Ran I, can a little say. Bit. I mean, and that was it, interesting. Yeah. And that's about it. Uh, moving on. That's where usually there's Quickies. a sexy voice. There we go. Uh, sexy voice. There we go. Uh, quickly, because we talked about this earlier. Josh Allen secure in the bag. Um, this was maybe it was expected, but then felt like for a moment there, they might push this off for later till after the season. And instead he gets a six year extension with the bills, $258 million deal, 150 million guaranteed. So not the contract that Patrick Mahomes got, but the guaranteed money bigger, even than Patrick Mahomes, uh, Allen's 43 million in average annual value. Second only to Mahomes, 45 million Aaron Rodgers, mad all over again. Right. I mean, you have to look at this at some point when you think about that kind of money and just it's, it's jaw dropping, but we also have to think, rethink the way we approach money at the quarterback position specifically. I mean, I just think your whole team. This is the new. This is the new way that things go. I mean, constantly you're looking at more and more money for quarterbacks, and you know, ten years ago or five years ago, six years ago, twenty five million was absurd. Now forty five million is going to be absurd in a couple of years. That's just the new reality. He went from a eighty five point three rating to one hundred seven point two last year. Also increases completion percentage from 58.8 to 69.2. Nice. Also first Pro Bowl for him. So uh, Bill's feeling good about that. So is he. It's his mama's birthday today, and he got to call her and say, Hey, mama, we got paid, (laughs) which must feel pretty good. All right, next story. Quickies. Speaking of feeling pretty good, if you're Trey Lance and your coach is uh, inserting you into some of the uh, practices with the first team, even though he's saying it doesn't mean he's going to be in a quarterback competition, 
He's certainly making it easier to see that as a reality. Here's what Kyle Shanahan, 49ers head coach, said today after Trey Lance took some snaps with the first team. Trey's going to play for us this year. I mean, whether it's – I know you guys all run into Twitter on that, but, like, I mean, that situationally he's going to get plays. Like, that doesn't mean that he's going to go be a starter or anything. He's going to get plays, and you got to prepare him for that every way possible. But all of that is true, right? You, you would want to do this anyway, just in case, especially if you're going to use him situationally. Two different quarterbacks in Jimmy G and Trey Lance. Uh, but – if you're Jimmy Garoppolo, doesn't this kind of feel like you're just taking little baby steps so that you could pull off the Band-Aid and decide that Trey Lance is your guy? I mean, yes, absolutely. But I also understand the logic organizationally because Jimmy G's been in this system for a while, so he doesn't need the reps, right? Like, if anything, the knock on Jimmy G is he can't stay healthy. So put him in bubble wrap and just keep him <laughs> on the sidelines so that nothing happens and get the reps to Trey Lance who frankly needs him right now. So, you know, I I understand organizationally why they need to do it this way, even in practice. I also understand why Jimmy G would hate every second of it. This is one of those, like, <laughs> damned if you do, damned if you don't, everybody loses situation in the end. Yeah, and he hasn't gotten a ton of looks. It's a designed run in the playbook specifically for Lance that Shanahan said he wanted all the different linemen to get a rep in in the drills with him. So still sticking with what he said about Jimmy G. And again, Jimmy G was in a Super Bowl, was a guy that you could win with. It's always a question about uh, health. And when you've got a guy like Trey Lance, you certainly feel good about the situation you have. You don't need to rush into anything, um, especially as he's learning the ways of the pros. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio doing a little NFL quickies. Let's get to the next one. Quickies. The fourth player for the New York Giants has announced his retirement today. The fourth in the last, what, week and a half, Fitz? Started with Calvin Benjamin. There was a very clear issue between Benjamin and Joe Judge. He felt like he came in heavier because he was switching positions. They, as 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 the, the Giants and Judge, claimed that there was a weight issue. There was a spat in practice. Kelvin Benjamin was out, and he's been talking trash ever since. Beyond that, though, three other guys, offensive lineman Zach Fulton, uh, offensive lineman Joe Looney, and linebacker Todd Davis, all decided out on football. Joe Judge made it sound like this is just something to be expected from guys in the later years of their football careers. You get into camp, you get a feel for it and say, ah, I don't know if my body can do this. He made it sound like just the price of doing business. But Fitz, this is on the heels of a massive team brawl, a bunch of push-ups and wind sprints and corporal punishment for the guys involved in that, which was everybody. Is there something here beyond just the usual players deciding that they want to go home and sit on the couch instead of playing? I don't think there's necessarily something to me with Joe Judge particularly, but I think there's something in the NFL culture this year. Like, we are coming off of such a strange year with COVID. We're coming into such a, a year where everybody's trying to acclimate to the new restrictions, and we're coming in. Now, a lot of the players we're talking about have made so much money that if it is a little more difficult, if all of this on top of everything else is just emotionally trying, like you mentioned Fulton, he's made $21 million in his mm-hmm. career. So you look around at some point, you're like, man, this just isn't worth it. I, I think we're going to see more and more of this of players that are a little older, that have, they've got the bag in the bank, they've got generational wealth. The question is, do they want to deal with a, a coach that's going to be really difficult in a COVID era, in football, with all of these things together, and that kind of money? I, that's a tougher question. So I don't think it's necessarily just Joe Judge, but I think the combination of elements make this a league-wide issue. Yeah, I agree. Uh, next topic. Quickies. If I can't sell you on something going on in New York, perhaps I could sell you on something going on in Vegas. Fitz, your account, the Vegas Raiders, over the last eight weeks, 
four key executives have left. No one seems to know why. The biggest, of course, was when former team president Mark Bedane announced that he was leaving. He had been with the team since 91, was a massive part of the team's move to Vegas. So everyone was shocked that you would finally get the chance to play in front of fans at Allegiant and really pay off the move. Gone. Didn't offer any details as to why he wanted to leave. Then you've got three more executives. You've got the VP of strategy and business development. You've got the CFO and the club controller. No theories, really, uh, other than the team's financial situation, maybe being a part of this. What are you hearing? Yeah, I I think it's interesting. There were some people yesterday that were talking about uh, the Raiders are looking into hiring uh, an outside law firm to deal with some issues. Like, I have no idea what could be going on, but there has to be something. You can't have this many people within the back offices, the front offices, decide that they want to walk away, especially after the relocation, uh, without everybody saying, okay, you put all this work in, but the relocation is a part of it. I, I have talked to people that work for the organization, have worked there a long time, that just don't, Vegas isn't for them. And that's yep. got to be real too. So I wonder how much of that plays into it also. Uh, earlier this month, Peter King said that some didn't approve of the spending by Mark Davis in the middle of a disastrous first financial season in Vegas because of COVID, including him deciding to buy the WNBA Las Vegas Aces. And we're tired of the nonstop pace of trying to run a franchise in a new city, disagreeing with him about how to spend money. And then Jason Cole from the Pro Football Hall of Fame Selection Committee said his inside scoop includes that the Raiders are hiring an outside law firm to deal with whatever issue is at the center of at least four top executives being dismissed or leaving the team. So we'll keep you updated on anything else coming out of Vegas on that story. Certainly something going on over there uh, with Fitz's squad. Coming up here on Spain and Fitz, a former NFL GM is going to weigh in on the Josh Allen deal and what's next for guys like Baker and Lamar. It's coming up here, Spain and Fitz on a Friday. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM. Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. It's a Friday edition. We're getting ready to party. We're getting ready to let loose. That's right. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Sarah's going to let loose. I might eat. Like, I've just I've been doing nothing but <laughs> eat clean for a long loose, time. Let loose like, the button yeah, on I'm your gonna, pants. Like, I might take myself <laughs> to the, the lo- my, my local favorite Italian place down the road and just go. Like, just, you know, let, just eat too much food. Like That's the end my, of your I diet where you allowed yourself to order one of every dessert? Like yeah, that far I mean, or I'm, not that, quite. Tonight might be that night. I mean, I, I, I did the workout. <laughs> By the way, uh, shameless plug for a buddy. Uh, Chris Young's got a new record out today. I've been saying it all day. Uh, wherever you stream your music, wherever you buy your music, go support it, especially right now. Even if you don't like Chris, if whatever music you're into, go support it. All these artists, uh, this is their only way to get out there and uh, and uh, get back into the swing yeah. of things. So Chris you know Young's got a new one coming out? My girl mm-hmm. Lizzo. Guess what? We're going to be rocking oh. on this show every single night for the next month plus. My girl Lizzo. <laughs> uh, Chris, we just need to do a Lizzo-Chris Young collab. Like, I'm just Ooh, putting okay. that into the universe. Remix. That would be weird. All right. Uh, obviously, the big news of today was Josh Allen and a mega contract. So we love to get some office front office insights from it. Uh, from those two sorts of moves, I should say, on Spain and Fitz. So we're going to head over to the Goodyear hotline where we're joined by our, by our buddy, Randy Mueller, former NFL GM with the Saints and the Dolphins, former NFL executive. Randy, always love your insights. When you see the kind of money that they throw at Josh Allen and everything that the Bills have sort of insulated with them, when you look at that contract, what's your initial reaction? There's really not a lot about it that surprised me, Jason. I thought it would be crazy money, right? And and I think we're seeing the, the average a little bit under Mahomes, but the guarantees are what made the deal happen for Josh. I mean, 
$150 million guaranteed is hard to turn your back on. In a contact sport like this, I don't know that I'm lacing them up again unless I have that 150 in my back pocket. And, and it was enough to entice him. The six years makes some sense to me because the Bills want stability. They want um, cap planning mechanisms in place so they can kind of plan where their cap is now for the next at least four or five years, more than likely six. So, and it doesn't surprise me. Of the three guys, you know, we're talking about three as in him, Lamar Jackson, and, and uh, Baker Mayfield. Um, Josh is the most complete. He's the most not only traditional, but he has all the skill sets that everybody's looking for year in and year out. So I figured he'd come in first, and I figured he'd come in highest. Let's just play worst-case scenario. And I'm only doing this, Randy, because unlike many other deals, I haven't really seen anyone not like this for Josh Allen and the Bills. Obviously, a spectacular year last year, had the biggest bump in performance of a QB in year three of anyone in the modern era, gave you everything you were looking for and really got rid of a lot of the issues that had plagued him early in his career. But some might say, can he repeat that? Is it as easy to do and not regress when other teams are expecting it from you? Is there any way that you see that this goes terribly wrong for the Bills, or is there any part of it that worries you? Actually, there's really not. I think to, to get him to this level, you would have had to rationalize a little bit of the struggles that you mentioned. And I, I was lucky enough. I got to go to Wyoming. I got to study all the tape. I've seen him young and inexperienced at Buffalo. I wasn't as concerned with the inaccuracy, with the completion yeah. percentage being down, where a lot of experts were. I mean, I could explain it at, at, at Wyoming, I thought, at least in my own mind, um, he's thrown to neighbor kids about half the time, right? They, they didn't have a bunch of NFL receivers running around. And at Buffalo, he was learning a system, getting comfortable, getting confident, and, and throwing with some anticipation and, and feel finally last year. So I could see how he got this far and, and why people criticized uh, him up until this point, but I really don't. I see him progressing uh, on, a, on a learning curve that continues to make him better and, and I think he has a special talent. I really do. And I'm not saying this guy is John Elway, but he reminds me size, arm strength, athleticism, so much of John Elway that it, it, it makes me shake my head. So I think there's a lot of upside still with Josh Allen. We're talking to Randy Mueller, former NFL GM and former NFL exec. You can check out MuellerFootball.com. So you mentioned your ability to scout him at Wyoming and really see uh, the tree and the forest, right? See all of it together. When you look at players like Trey Lance and, and you're trying to figure out guys that played maybe less or a different level of competition, how do you figure out how that player is going to translate to the NFL? Well, I think you've got to have your own criteria of evaluating skill sets for sure. And and I was one of the people that I see the flashes of Trey Lance. I see what the 49ers saw. There just wasn't enough of a body of work for me to make a move like they did. So I credit them. If it turns out that these early reports uh, are reflective of him and his learning curve, more power to the 49ers. I just said when he came out that I don't know if I could make this move to get him knowing what I know now. So they're ultra confident in what they've done. I think they see a lot of these Josh Allen traits in him. There just was a lesser body of work and believe it or not at a lower level than even Josh played at at Wyoming. So Kudos to the 49ers. Let's hope it comes out that this guy ends up surpassing where everybody else thought he would be. But I think it's the speed that he's progressed to this point that has everybody talking. Randy Mueller of MuellerFootball.com, former NFL GM with us here on Spain and Fitz. 
Let's talk about those two guys you mentioned. You've got Lamar, you've got Baker. They're the next up in terms of that class and that group. Uh, do they deserve the same consideration as Josh Allen? And how much of a fight are they going to put up if, for whatever reason, their teams don't think they do? Well, I think this is the ceiling for them, that's for sure. I don't think they could ask for more. Um, I understand Lamar's camp may say, hey, he's an MVP, but there are certain things with his skill set that we all know that are a little harder to scheme up. He's not the pure passer that Josh is, but there's some running ability, and, and they've used that. I think with, with Lamar, and there's really no reason to wait because they know what he is, right? They know what his skill set is. That's not going to change. It's not going to – the body of work expanding – I think he's always going to be a little suspect as a pocket passer. And they're really doing him a disservice if they force him to stay in the pocket. So they should know by now what they're getting. I think this will be the the, the trend will be to up the guarantees. My guess is it will be a shorter shorter length deal with Lamar because of his style of play, right, Sarah? He's, his style of play is, is a little risky in that mm-hmm. his health isn't always by <laughs> front front and foremost of, of what he does because he, he takes some hits. He does a lot of running. So I think it's probably a shorter term deal that they both end up settling on. And there's some merit to that on Lamar's case as well. He gets another bite of the apple sooner. And I think with a guy like Baker, I think there's reasons to wait a little bit with Baker. He had a good second half of the season, but we haven't also seen him with a healthy OBJ for a season with another year under Kevin Stefanski's offense under his belt. I think there's some some upside with Baker as well. It may benefit both of those sides in that negotiation to wait it out. So we'll see. Randy, when you look at a quarterback, how much body of work do you need to see before you're comfortable giving a quarterback the kind of money that quarterbacks now get? Well, I think it just depends, Jason. I think you've got to see him with live bullets. And I think you've got to have a little bit of a feel. Does this guy give us a chance every week? Are we winning because of him? Are we winning in spite of him? You know, and it kind of determines as well what you have around him. Where is your team? I think right now the Browns think they have a pretty good team. I don't know that they think they're ready to make a Super Bowl run. So I think they'll commit to to Baker once they think, hey, this is the guy that can take us the rest of the way. So I think there's skill sets to evaluate. There's also just a feel that that an evaluator has to have with these guys. I, I remember some of the guys I've been around, the Warren Moons, the, even the John Kittnes, the, the, guy, the, the guys who I was on the same team with, Philip Rivers, they always gave me the feeling of, gosh, we got a chance at the end, no matter what. And, and I think if, if your executives feel that way about your quarterback, get him signed up by all means because you got a chance. Spain and Fitz talking to Randy Mueller, former exec with the Chargers, Seahawks, Saints, and Dolphins. I assume you look around the landscape and view things through the mind of a front office exec. So in the last minute or so, is there some other really interesting personnel story that's caught your eye for this season, whether that's a player who's on the brink of of a big payday or could spoil their chances to get that, or maybe a team that has to make a big decision about someone on the brink? Well, I think the the, the big one that kind of has me shaking my head a little bit is the Kirk Cousins deal in Minnesota mm-hmm. when, when it comes to the COVID and the vaccine. I just don't know how you can have a quarterback lead you day after day, week after week, and have a plan in place, and you're not sure if he's going to be available. That's a hard one for me. I just think that it almost comes to a point, and again, I'm not here to tell anybody what they need to do as far as vaccines go but if if you're going to be the leader of your franchise and the face of your team they've got to be able to depend on you right they've got to know you're going to be there week in and week out and i'm not sure that you can do that 
at this stage without the vaccine. So that would be a hard one for me. I think Cousins um, going into this season has to prove some things in his own way. This is just an extra burden for him and kind of makes him a target for if they don't, if they do fail, he's going to get a lot of the blame. So that one has my mind spinning a little bit. I just don't understand it. Check out MuellerFootball.com. Randy, as always, we appreciate you hanging out with us. Love your insight. Thanks for joining us, my friend. Anytime, guys. Take care. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Clown car was the winner, which was what we were hoping for. You guys came through. We are going to try to Photoshop very poorly and shoddily the faces of those in the clown car whenever we do that segment. Shouts to you guys for voting and shouts to the man who came up with that very fine suggestion at Raider Rain. Longtime mm-hmm. Raiders fan. Fitz? Yeah, it shouldn't surprise anybody that it was a Raiders fan that came up with the brilliant Raiders moment. Fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yep. right. We've been talking about yep. that for as long as I can remember. Bunch of smarty pants out there. Thanks for that. Clown car is the winner. We'll get to that segment the next time someone says or does something stupid, which, oh, it's happening right now. But we don't have time because we got to get to sports Tinder. Sports Tinder. That's right. This is where we ask questions about things, sometimes sports-related, sometimes not. And then we uh, swipe, just like y'all are doing on a Friday. If we agree with the question, we swipe right. If we really agree, we swipe left. If we disagree, we swipe... I'm sorry, swipe up. If we disagree, we swipe left. And if we really disagree, we swipe down. So let's get started, Fitz, with a new series of ads aimed at getting a, getting a specific southern state vaccinated and uh, this is what it sounds like. I'll set the stage. Guys leaning against a hoopty. Behind him is a place called Club Trois. Uh, unfortunately, not Menage a Trois, but you know, you know what they're going Club for Trois. there. And here's what it sounds like. I'm coming to a screeching halt. You have to understand, I'm a hustler. I'm a legit entrepreneur. I sell things. I come in contact with people all the time. I have to stay safe. I didn't have a choice but to trust the vaccine. Because if you live the type of lifestyle that I live, you out here in these streets and you hustling, entrepreneur like me, why not do it safely? So I want everybody to take this seriously. Take a shot at staying healthy. Get the vaccine. All right, I guess the only question is, Fitz, do hustlers need the vax too? Uh, well, yes, uh, and I appreciate, you know, going to the streets to figure out everybody that can tell you <laughs> the angle on why they should get it. I mean, uh, he's a hustler, baby. He's got to get out there and get his, you know? Like, you can't take you a day know. off when you're, when you're hustling for a living. That's right, that's right. I'm going to swipe up. Swipe up. Super like. Hustlers clearly need the vax, too. Everybody does. If you are eligible, if you are of age, if your doctor doesn't tell you not to, go get vaccinated. And if you want to go to Club Trois afterwards and get your freak on, you're able to do that if you're vaccinated and you can do it safely. Do you wear a mask and not like... I mean, at a strip club, about going to a strip club right now. I mean, yo, do you remember the drive-through strip clubs during last year's, like, peak of the pandemic? Uh, no, honestly, I don't remember drive-thru. Was that a thing? Like people went through a drive-thru strip club? Like, yes, what is it, a and they had to serve food in order to be able to be open. So you would pick up your shake and, okay, your shake. See what I did there? Shake and shake. You would, and, and grab your burger and your buns. You'd pick up your shake and your buns, and you would drive through where performers danced with masks behind a barricade. Uh that you, I guess, throw tips out the window of the car. So, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that our producer, Stash, has ever been more uncomfortable than he is with any topic well, we've ever discussed. So I'm Probably just when I asked if we, we should were... salute Jesus. I think maybe right, that was yeah, is a tie. It's a tie it's between a those two. It's been All a right, day. Let's continue <laughs> on with Sports Tinder. 
uh, Jimmy and Jerry coming together. You saw last night Jerry Jones and like seven other Hall of Famers in their gold jackets sitting on a stage with Jimmy Johnson, exciting for Jimmy, finally getting the nod. And Jerry decides, you know what? After all this time, I'm finally going to let you into the Ring of Honor. Here's what it sounded like. We are going to certainly be recognizing what's happening here with the Hall of Fame. Uh, but uh, Tex Ram, who started that Ring of Honor, said, Jerry, keep it, keep it kind of limited with people. But make sure it wasn't just about the plays they made. Make sure they contributed to the story of the franchise. Now, it's kind of hard to not recognize this contribution to the story of the franchise. No doubt. So are we making an announcement here? Well, we can be. If we can, I don't know how we're going to upstate. No, yeah, you can. Go ahead. Make the announcement. But we'll be in the ring of honor. There we go. Jerry, love it. You heard it here. I will be there. While I'm alive. <laughs> By the way, let's talk the comedic timing of Jimmy Johnson on that. While I'm alive, I guess the question is, Spitz, after all this time, too little, too late from Jerry? I am going to swipe up on that one. Swipe up. Super like. And look, this comes back to sort of the timing of it, the way of it. As he said there, I mean, Jerry Jones acknowledged you can't tell the history without talking about him, mm-hmm. but then never acknowledged why it's taken this long for that to happen then. Like what was what was missing from that entire moment was a, hey, a lot of ego got in the way, and I think I owe you an apology. We're going to do the right thing and put you in the ring of, ring of honor. Now we're talking. But anything spare the apology to me just rings hollow. I'm going to swipe left. Oh, swipe left only because it's not too late and it was necessary and better than never doing it. And this is what Jimmy Johnson deserved. Although the hug at the end was so pathetic. It was Jimmy trying to bring Jerry in for the real thing. And Jerry was like, and so, you know, that there's still some love lost there. He just felt like, all right, you're in the Hall of Fame. If I don't put you in the ring of honor, it's a bit ridiculous. And it has been for years, Jerry, but it's better than never doing it at all. It's Sports Tinder, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz with you on ESPN Radio on a Friday. All right, this story has me crack it up because it's just so obvious that you got to do this. Cleveland changes their name to the Cleveland Guardians. They make a big announcement. They don't check to see that clevelandguardians.com is the website for the Cleveland men's roller derby team. They just... They apparently didn't even check to see if it was spoken for. I don't really have a question here, Fitz, other than congrats to the Cleveland Darby, uh, Guardians roller derby team for getting like endless amount of hits this past week or so. Yeah, and I always look back at this like trademark attorneys go through so much work to make sure that they can clear things. The yeah. fact that they forgot to clear the actual website, like somebody, somebody's going to be getting not some just money the back website, the hours. trademark. Yeah, the trademark. They've had it since 2017. Bumper stickers, koozies, jerseys, tank tops, clothing, footwear. Those roller derby boys are getting paid. Woo! You love to see it, Fitz. You really do. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.